disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray for a second. Lord, I ask that you would give us revelation, Lord, that you would give us, Lord, into the simplest of things, Lord, give us insight into what it means for our lives. God, I ask that we wouldn't just go through a service just hearing words, then bouncing off of our heads, Lord, and then not soaking in. But Lord, I ask that we would hear what you're saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name. I, uh, I love the fact that, you know, in, in our community groups, which anybody excited for community groups starting back up? Raise your hand. Get excited for me. I am so stoked. I have some of the best leaders. I've got Alex and Tiana, amazing people. We've also got Chris Meese joining our group to help lead. It's really cool. Um, but it's just incredible. When you take apart the scripture, it does something. You know, you don't, you don't need fancy words. I know all of us are a little bit addicted you know, to media. We're all a little bit addicted to speaking. We're all a little bit addicted to people saying things really well, stringing words together in a clever way that makes us think it's fresh. But the reality is the scripture does the talking. Am I right? And when you open up the scripture and you do an observation, you've got this thing called inductive Bible study where you just, you don't get to interpret it for the first part of it. You just open it up and you observe it and you just have to write down what you observe. And the rule is that you just don't, you don't get to read between the lines yet. You just get to say, oh, that's actually there. Like everybody can see it in the room and everybody holds you accountable. It's a great way to study scripture. And if you haven't done it, I encourage you to get in a community group this fall. We're going to have an expo, as you saw, it's going to be coming up. Um, but the, uh, we didn't actually do that slide. I just remembered we didn't actually do it. I made the slide, but we didn't do it. Um, it will be coming. You'll see when it's going to be. But inductive Bible study is powerful because you, you get to let the scripture speak for itself. And then once you've observed, then you say, oh, wow, okay, God is really speaking to me. And you write down what he said. But you don't just come into it saying, oh, yeah, that means this. And I think even with something as simple as the Great Commission, then maybe we've done that. Maybe at times we've read into things. Maybe at times we've let church culture define exactly what it means. You have an image in your head. When I say Great Commission, you probably have an image, like we had just a second ago, of, that, of, of this series, of this dude in the mountains in the Himalayas just running off into the distance, right? I picked it because it looks good. But it's really, a lot of our minds go to this place of like, oh, it's just like this far-off country. No, it means every part of your life. It means Everything in your life is under the command of Jesus. You're no longer just your own person, as un-American as that sounds. You're now a messenger of Jesus. You're now a missionary. You know, we think of missionaries and we think that's, you know, people we raise money for, like Liam. A missionary is somebody who's on mission. And if you're in a city and you're a believer... You are on mission. So let's unpack it. We'll just go through it, line by line for a second. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Any words stand out to you? I know disciples stands out to me. It's a pretty important word there. I don't know if we know what it means. If you look it up in the dictionary, 
One of the main definitions is a person who is a pupil or an adherent of the doctrines of another, a follower. In other words, somebody who actually does what they're taught to do, you know? Not somebody who knows what they're supposed to do, but somebody who does it. That's what a disciple is. It's not somebody who can give you their thesis on what to do. It's not somebody who's been through a college course on it and been to Bible school and got the seminary degree. It's somebody who follows it. And it's people who follow it that make followers, not people who know it. This is this one, the one thing I'm going to submit to you. I like that word, submit. It's old school. I want to submit to you. The Great Commission is not about effectiveness. It's about obedience. Let me say that again. Because I think we've got it backwards. The Great Commission is not about effectiveness. It's about obedience. It's not about numbers. It's about disciples. It's about quality. See, Jesus was after quality. He never went after quantity. You know the first thing Jesus did when he got a crowd around him? As soon as possible, he just turned around and just completely offended everybody as fast as he could. Imagine if, you know, the moment you had 500 people listening to you in a crowd, that you turned around and you said, without any explanation, no context, you just say, if you don't drink my blood and eat my body, and you literally not eat, you're not providing context, you're just trying to offend them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think anybody would try to build a church that way. Jesus didn't care about numbers. He cared about Who's really following? Who really is after this? Because if you look at the life of Jesus, and you look at what he really focused on, those 12 disciples, those people who were closest to him, you see that's who he wanted to duplicate. He wasn't worried about duplicating the 500. I, I feel like, you know, as a millennial, I'm obligated in every single message I preach to talk about millennial things so let's talk about social media again. We think of numbers. We th- we're so obsessed with numbers. You know, I think it's really interesting. We think about the Great Commission. We think about numbers. We think nations. We think numbers. I bet a lot of us in this room have heard messages saying, "If we," and this is not wrong, by the way. I'm not, I'm not bashing this. I'm just saying where we take it is wrong. But if we reach the whole world, we reach every person, then Jesus will come back as if we have something to do with it. But that's not the whole story. It's as if, you know, we think, I think we, we hear some people talk about how to reach the whole world and just get your butt into the game. And we think like, okay, if I, if I reach this many people and then those people reach this many people, like some sort of pyramid scheme, you know, like the somehow like we're going to get enough people saved if we just work the system right. Jesus was never worried about that at all. He never concerned himself with the numbers. He's not concerned with our timeline of when he needs to come back. He's just concerned with you being a disciple. And then when you're a disciple, you discipling other people. That's what he's about. Jesus, he, he, wants, he wants real. 
He doesn't want numbers. He wants real. He wants hearts. He, he doesn't want people adhering. Let me, let's look at what Jesus thought about people just getting numbers or just adhering. Go to Matthew 23, 15. Jesus was having it out um, like he liked to do with the scribes and Pharisees. And when, you, when we hear the word Pharisees, by the way, we just it's synonymous with hypocrite. I get it. it like, that's, there's a good reason that over millennia we've gotten to think that way but they they were the leaders they were trying their hardest they were doing the best they could to follow the way that they thought they could I think a lot of in a lot of ways the way that we do today in a lot of ways the way that uh, we, we just try to muscle our way through we just try to look the part as much as possible and then go Jesus goes after their heart and says it's not real you're just on the surface But this is what he had to say to the Pharisees and the scribes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. That's a convert. And when he becomes a convert, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. That's a missions movement for you. There's There's a message on getting the lost saved. They knew, they knew the scriptures. They were scriptural experts. You want to talk about a Bible degree. These people, they, there was a very rigorous system that they had to go through to become a rabbi, to become a Pharisee, to become a scribe. They were not ignorant. And they, according to the book, their lives look good too, by the way. And Jesus goes to them and says, don't do missions. Don't go get anybody saved. And he wasn't talking about salvation for them because they didn't believe in Jesus. But don't go make a convert. You're just going to make them twice as much a child of hell as yourself. Those are strong words. What does that mean for What does that give you a picture of, of the way Jesus thinks about discipleship? I think it looks like this. You reproduce what you are. You reproduce what you are. And it's scary. It's, it, this, I have to tell you, scares me every single day that I would get up and I would lead worship and I would get up and I would speak if I'm not living it. If I don't have something inside of me that's worth duplicating, that scares me. It continues to scare me. Because it's so real. I, don't, I, I, I can tell all the right things as much as I want to, but there's a spiritual thing that happens where people will copy the good and the bad of what I do. When you're a leader, when you're sharing the gospel, when you're sharing the gospel to your neighbor, and when we have heard these words, it's not about your words. It's not about just what you say. It's about what you live it's about what's going on in your life. And it's not even just what they see. You can, they can feel it. No, you see, I think we think people are dumb, but they're not. We're, we're, we all sense things. We all know things. I can tell if there's something real going on in your life. I can tell when there's an area of, of just compromise. I might not be able to tell you what it is, but I can feel like, oh, there's something just weird, just feels weird. It just, I think they're working through something, you know? I think our neighbors feel similar things. You know, when somebody comes up to you and they say, I feel something different, 
I feel like there is something different on your life. That's not because you did like some special action. You didn't like, you know, cure the sick necessarily. You just were you. And they can tell by the substance, the presence of God on your life that there's something going on. That's just, that's how it works. We reproduce what we really are. I think this is a, it's really key as we, as we go on through. Let's, let's just go back to Matthew 28 here, if you've got your finger in there. Um, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We can't, you can't teach what you don't know. You can't teach what you don't have. You know, there has to be reality inside of us. You know, I think one of the big things about, when we talk about missions, we talk about the Great Commission, for the most part, I think we think of overseas. Raise your hand if that's sort of, you know, does that ring a bell? Does anybody, anybody resonate with what I'm talking about? A few of you? So, I hear the Great Commission, I hear... Somebody say the word missions, and my mind can go to overseas pretty quickly because that's a context that we're used to. But the, the, the interesting thing is, where was I in my note here? Yeah, you're not going to do it necessarily in another country. It's not just going to magically happen if it's not already happening. If you're not already doing it, what would change? Why would it change? And I'm sure a fresh circumstance is nice for a little bit. And we might feel different. We might be on top of our game and putting our best foot forward. But, I mean, really, if you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it then. You're not gonna, if you're not sharing the gospel now, if you're not living the gospel now, you're not going to do it then. It just, it's just not going to happen. I think the, the, the beautiful thing about God is he, he's in control. Jesus, I don't think, gave the Great Commission to say, I'm, I'm, I'm just counting on you to do everything. He's, in, he's inviting us. And he's commanding us, you're supposed to do this. But ultimately, he's the Lord of the harvest. He's the one who's going to bring the lost. And he's, gonna, he's the one who's going to save the nations and he's going to come back when he's good and ready, <laughs> you know. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's just who he is. He's God. You know, we don't get to have a say in the matter. What we can do is be obedient. But even, you know, I think about this city, you know, I th- we, could, we could muscle our way through. Just being like, there is such a calling. God wants to raise up a student volunteer missions movement. Look, we can't even do that. We can't even send the people that need to be sent, unless God does the work, unless God awakens hearts. Let me tell you this. I personally believe that God looks for people he can duplicate, and he waits until he has people he could duplicate. I honestly believe that's what he's doing even in this city. He's looking for a group of people that he can duplicate throughout the earth, a type of people. He's looking for a kind of following Jesus, that could be duplicated across the world.
I think one of the other um, misconceptions we have is just all of the, the areas of life working into the Great Commission. If you're called to steward finance, if you're called to steward your family, and you don't have much time to travel somewhere and share the gospel, what does it look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like prioritizing the gospel. It looks like prioritizing missions. It looks like prioritizing, if God has called you to steward finance, it looks like you stewarding it well and asking him, God, what am I supposed to do with this? What am I called to do with what you've given me so I can advance the gospel? Not just to say, well, I know that I'm supposed to sit tight and build my family and build my wealth. God has a plan for the Great Commission in every aspect of our lives, not just one. The, uh, you know, the thing that I think really comes into play in our minds is like we can feel this tension because we want to go. But we also, we're not quite sure what to do. We, we feel like, oh, should I do missions trips? Should I stay? You know, what's so funny is, I think a lot of us don't realize this, but when you do go to another country, if you do go to another country, it looks much the same as here. You're making relationships. You're sharing the gospel with people. You're just showing your life. It doesn't look a lot different. And the funny thing is, you're probably better equipped to do it where you grew up, even in another country. But then God will take you and offend your mind and take you to another country. It, it, it's not up to us. It's up to God. He's going to speak it. Whether we go, whether we stay, it's the gospel either way. I think that the thing that gets lost for us so often is getting vision from somebody else. I can't give you vision for your life. And a better speaker than me, Francis Chan maybe, or someone who really dominates your Instagram feed and you just love their little sermon snippets and you see it, you're like, oh yeah, Stephen Furtick said this. I can, yes, I can overcome. Like, there's, you know, you read the subtitles. You don't even listen to it. You're just kind of sitting there like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, those are good words. You know, none of us, nobody who gets a microphone in their hand gets to give you vision. All we get to do is just spark. All we get to do is just say things that God might use to speak to you things that he's already speaking to you. But I can't give you something new. I can't give you vision for your life. I can't give you vision for why you should go. I can't give you vision for why you should share the gospel with your neighbor. I can't give you a vision for why you should live wholeheartedly for God. Only God can do that. And I think one of the biggest things about the Great Commission is we lose sight of the fact that it's not just about doing. It's about, God, what do you have me specifically to do. If we don't get our faces in a carpet every once in a while and just stay there and just press it in there and if it's the carpet at J-Hop, maybe just go for the, the wood floor. Don't do the carpet. But, because that thing is way overdue for a change. But, is you definitely would get some sort of 
disease. Um, <laughs> but we, you got you to pray it out. Sometimes it's just, these things don't come easy. It might not come from a popular speaker. It might not come from Sunday morning after Sunday morning after Sunday morning after Sunday morning, waiting for the music to crescendo just right so the voice of God breaks through. You know, the voice of God might break through in your room. The voice of God probably only will break through in your room, to be honest with you. And until you find that place with God that you just like, I got nothing. I gotta wait. <laughs> like there's nothing left. And I and I feel dead and I feel dry. And I have to wait for the voice of God. If you can't hear him then, how are you gonna hear him in the rest of your life? Why would you move on? We have to get vision directly from God if we're gonna live our lives the way that He's called us to. You know the thing is there's no room for apathy. Jesus, you know, you look at Matthew 28 here. He didn't give us an option for apathy. There's no like, well, maybe go. There's no, well, maybe make disciples or maybe, you know, live on fire for me. No, it's, it's, it's all there. It's what you do as a disciple. It's what you do as a believer. But only God can light a fire in you. Only God can give you that personal sending, that personal message where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt and something starts to burn within you and you have to go. See, that's what you need. That's what God needs. He doesn't need you to get all riled up because I shouted at you or someone else shouted at you. He needs that burning to start to take over until you can't help but say, God, I got to go. I got to do. I got to share. See, when that starts to take hold, when that vision, and it, and it becomes stronger than your ordinary vision. It becomes stronger than your natural vision. You know, I don't, I don't believe it's just for me. You know, I, I definitely, I can sound weird when I talk about it because it's one of those spiritual things, you know, like the vision God gave me for Boston and I tried to describe it one time, and um, there's this girl from Harvard Crimson, actually, who was doing a report, <laughs> and it made no sense, and she ran it. She totally ran it, um, and uh, <laughs> it looked really weird. But the thing about spiritual things is you can't really describe them, so I won't try. I've learned my lesson, but God can give you a vision. I don't believe it's just for me to be able to walk around Boston and be like, I can almost see it. I can almost taste it. I can almost smell it. What God will do with this city in just a couple short decades. I know it. But I don't think it's just for some people to get that kind of thing. I think it's for everybody. I think God can give you a vision so strong that it takes over your life. That the gospel becomes more real than everything else. It becomes more real than the jadedness that takes over so much of our existence. I think that God might just be calling us a little more often to get our head down and to wait on him and to pray and to say, Lord, I don't have vision. It's in that place that he gives us vision for the nations. He gives us vision for our lives. See, missions is not obligation. 
Serving God is not obligation. You know, I think this highlights, this brings us to just a different passage of where Jesus gave the Great Commission. Turn with me to Luke 24, 45. Because there was a different go that he said. There's the first, the first instruction he had. Go and wait. It was never just to do. It was to wait until there was power from on high. The promise of the Father. And you could say that's the sending of the Holy Spirit. That group of believers went back and waited. And went back and waited. And got refilled and refilled and refilled. It's the pattern for being sent. Luke twenty four forty five. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. What is that promise? The Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Until. You know, I wonder how how much longer they would have needed to wait. I don't know if it takes a really long time waiting. I just wonder if we've really waited. I think for some of us, and this includes me, Some of us just, we wait a little bit, and then we're we're just a little too anxious. We're a little too bored. We're a little too jaded. We want to get up, and we want to move on to the next thing. But if we'd stay, and if we'd wait, I wonder if we'd get sent. You know, I think the prayer room is a great place to start. We have, you know, everybody here knows this, but we have these prayer sets throughout the week. And you can, you can plant yourself there. And you can wait on God. And you can say, God, I need you to speak to me. You can plant yourself in your prayer closet at home. You can say, God, will you speak to me? I think it's a company like that that God wants to use. You know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God doesn't just require us to do things just because he doesn't want robots. He doesn't want just the right set of rules. I think the sad thing about the gospel is we just try to get somebody else to know the rules. I just want to know the answers. Just tell me what to think. Just tell me. You know, I think there's so many things that the church has argued about for millennia such as predestination and how the interplay of law versus grace works. And I'm I'm just over here wondering, like, I wonder when it's going to be when we as the church start to get friendly with paradoxes. We start to get friendly with the fact that God is 
confusing. And he doesn't have simple answers that you can just apply and just say, oh, I figured it out. After drilling down for millennia, we finally got the theological orthodox answer that sums up exactly how God works. It's not going to happen. And I'm really glad God doesn't give us an easy answer for exactly what to go do. Because he doesn't. He wants to work it out with you. He wants to work it out in the grind of prayer. He wants to work it out in the grind of surrendering. I just want to take a second and pray. I just, there's not a lot else that I want to say about this, but I just want to take a moment and just invite the Holy Spirit. If there's any, if there's anywhere that this is resonating, it's, a weak message, but if there's a spot where God is speaking something to you, I just want to invite you to take a second and dialogue with him about it, because it's worth doing. If there's something that stood out that you're just a little bit challenged by, that you're just a little bit, you're just hanging on a little bit, take a moment. Lord, I just invite you, search our hearts, Lord, search my heart. Lord, I ask that you would show us where obedience lacks. I ask that you would show us, Lord, where we're not willing to get out of our comfort zone. Lord, I ask that you would break through our confusion. Lord, start to make things clear. I ask that you would start to show us priorities rearranged in our lives, God. I ask that you'd start to show us where we've been lax and we don't take your word seriously. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come show us where we need to surrender to you. Come show us what we need to change in our lives. God, I ask you to even just show us priorities that need to change. Lord, it's not It's not a negative thing, Lord. It's such a beautiful thing when you come and show us what we need to change. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. Speak to us now. Lord, every place that we've applied an easy answer to the gospel... Lord, I ask that you would start to show us how that fire needs to be burning again. Lord, I ask you light that fire. Lord, I ask that it would be something that we don't need a pamphlet, Lord. We don't need a message that's written out. We don't need an elevator pitch, but it lives inside of us. The gospel would live and burn inside of us, Lord. That It would compel us so much, Lord, that we would have to go. Lord, that we would have to live differently. Lord, that we would have to go to the nations. And Lord, that we would have to reach the nation that you've put us in. Lord, I ask for your grace upon our lives, Lord. Not striving, Lord, not confusion, and not trying to find the method, and not trying to find the remedy. But Lord, that we would have the burning of God within us, Lord. We would have the burning of the Holy Spirit 
sending us, Lord. Lord, that in every interaction, God, that you would flow out from our lives, Lord, that we would not just have to muscle it. Lord, make us a people of the gospel. Lord, I ask that we would be people who know who you are. Lord, that we wouldn't have to recite. But Lord, that it would come out so naturally, Lord. Lord, those around us would see and know that you're real. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Will. A simple but sweet message this morning, a reminder to us all uh, to be active in this area of our faith. You know, um, it wasn't Jesus recommending that we go. It wasn't Jesus just like, you know, trying to encourage us. It was, you know, this is known in Scripture as a command. And I, just to kind of submit this to you as Will submitted his thoughts, I guess I'll submit some of mine. Um, you know, it's always, it's always a good thing to take a healthy assessment of where we are at in our going. And what I mean by that, it's, 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 it's right for you and I to take a step back and say, where am I in this game? Sorry, just use that word. It's not a game, but just for, for lack of better words. But where am I in this kind of game of sharing my faith with those around me? With those who I work with, with those who I'm uh, at school with, you know, to my neighborhood. That's always a challenge for me, man. I want to kill my next door neighbor. It's not, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I want to inflict pain on him. So Lord, get a hold of my heart. But, but, but in this, Jesus beckons us to, to share. And it's almost foolishness that we would take this thing called the gospel and hide it. It's almost a little bit absurd and absolutely ridiculous that we would take such a light and blanket it. And so, in this series, we're hoping to connect again with who we are. Our mission is to go. And we need to kind of break through the veneer of missions is just me going to some third world country. But, but that our mission is actually in cities like this. That, that, that we're not, we're not in no way like able to just forego sharing our faith, being salt and light because we live in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I got one of you with me. Thank you, Joe. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus has given us a mission. You really have. We need to break through some of the stereotypes, some of the um, false kind of ways and perceptions that we have in it. And just, and just give our lives to being light and salt of the earth, to sharing the greatest news with those who are right around you, shoulder to shoulder, you know, those who you are at work with uh, day in and day out, those who you frequent at school, those who are your neighbors. This is our mission. Thank you, Will, for reminding us. We're going to take about three or four weeks to just get into this thing called the Great Commission. So this is our launching pad. I'm going to pray and close us out, and um, we'll get on with our Sunday. Amen. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. And Lord, I thank you for reminding us, for 
taking this time and reminding us that we are people of a mission, or that you, you've given us a purpose, you have, you've given us a charge, you have even given us a command to not passively sit by, just wait for the return of Christ, but actively uh, go out into the world, being salt and light, sharing our faith. So, Lord, we ask in these next couple of Sundays, Lord, that you would stir our hearts again for the Great Commission. That you would break through some of those false ideas that we have about it. And, Lord, you would make us all messengers on a mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, church, we're going to hang up the phone right there. Thank you so much for coming out and being with us. Listen, uh, if you're, you're here for the first time, uh, we want to connect with you. Uh, we have this thing called the Info Center. Right to your left, there's going to be some uh, people over there that just want to talk and connect. So again, if this is your first time, you're looking to plug into the spiritual family, just want to encourage you and point you in that direction. You also get a pretty cool gift. Not a bad deal. Um, but other than that, uh, also... Uh, I, I thought it was other than that, but there is also a bake sale that we're doing to just kind of generate some funds for the building fund of the house of prayer. So, you know, even if you go buy something and give it to a person outside, some random person, hey, I bought these brownies. I mean, I take them. But anyways, uh, it all goes to the cause of raising funds for the building fund. Other than that, guys, we love you. Have a great Sunday and we'll see you next.